Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our gospel lesson, it will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. It comes from the very first chapter of Matthew's gospel, the very first chapter of the New Testament, Matthew chapter one. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus, the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Sophie Petzl is a screenwriter who lives in London who has just over 13,000 Twitter followers. And earlier this year in March, Sophie went on Twitter to share a very embarrassing personal experience. What her Twitter followers do? Well, they actually shared their own embarrassing stories. Can I share a few of them here with you this morning? Here's one. It says, my granddad was on a train once, and he noticed that a passenger had forgotten his bag. He grabbed the bag, ran after him, yelled, wait, you forgot this and then threw it out onto the platform as the doors were closing. Turns out it was another passenger's bag. Pretty embarrassing. Here's one maybe, uh, maybe parents can relate to. I was at the park watching my two preschoolers on the climber when I spotted a toddler all by himself at the other play area. Where was his parents? I was appalled when I suddenly realized he was my kid. I forgot I had a third kid. All right, here's Sophie's. Here's the one that got them all started. And to be honest, I laughed out loud in my office when I read this. Here's what she said. The worst thing just happened. I won't recover. I reached into a box of free samples outside a chicken restaurant. Only it wasn't free samples. It was a man holding a box of chicken, his chicken. I tried to steal this man's chicken. Pretty embarrassing, right? Kind of funny to laugh at. 
Here's what I think is pretty neat about the fact that hundreds of Sophie's followers shared their personal embarrassing stories with them. It's that embarrassment, that feeling, well, it's pretty familiar. Everyone knows what it's like to, to be embarrassed. Can I share a personal story with you guys? All right, it happened when I was a senior in high school, and uh, I attended Luther Prep, and every day after morning chapel, uh, staff, professors, teachers, they would get up and they'd give announcements, relevant announcements to the student body. And on this particular day, an extremely exuberant person who worked in the mission advancement office um, got up to give a little update announcement about how a fundraiser went that the entire student body was involved in. They got up there and with extreme enthusiasm told everyone how the goal for the, the fundraiser, the campaign, it had been exceeded. Excitedly, they thanked the student body and they kept building. They thanked the donors. And of course, last but not least, they said, we're gonna make sure to give praise to God. And this was an extremely long announcement, but I'll say this, I'm, I'm speeding it up because I wanna tell you how it ended. Looking for an excited way to kind of end this announcement and encourage the student body, this very, very well-spoken mission advancement officer just looked around and said, so with that, here's what they said. Let's clap for Jesus and started clapping. Why is that embarrassing, you might ask? Well, two reasons. First of all, this extremely exuberant mission advancement officer happened to be my mother. And second, this is the kind of humor that students at a Christian high school just love when you're invited and incited to clap for Jesus, well, they didn't get a golf clap. No, people got up and just started clapping like crazy. And there I sat. I don't know if you have experienced something like that or something like what Sophie or the others went through, but everyone knows what it's like to feel embarrassment. But what happens when the embarrassment that we feel is, is not from an encouragement or an invitation to clap for Jesus? What happens when the embarrassment that you feel in your life is from an encouragement to live for Jesus? That's what happened to Joseph. We read it just a moment ago. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. You might need someone to explain to you Jewish betrothal laws and how it worked out that being engaged or betrothed was tantamount to marriage. You might need someone to explain to you how first century Jewish divorce laws worked. But what you certainly don't need anyone to explain to you is how Joseph must have felt when Mary came up to him and said, hey, Joseph, I 
I got some news. Um, <laughs> you're not going to believe this, but um, Joseph, why don't you have a seat? Um, I'm pregnant. And get this, Joseph, I promise, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> conceived by the Holy Spirit. An angel told me. Can you imagine how Joseph felt? Confusion, yes. Frustration, yes. Disappointment that is actually tilting towards anger, yes. Perhaps he, he felt all those things and more, but what scripture tells us is he also felt embarrassment. Embarrassment about this, his fiance, his, his plans for a future. And so he was going to divorce her. You think about this, the most, the most famous couple that there is, Mary and Joseph, it, it almost didn't come to be. Like you can sense the tension here, and it's because Joseph, he, he has two, two loves. First, Joseph, what does it say? He loved God. Joseph was faithful to the law. Joseph, it says literally, was a righteous man. This is a man who loved God and who knew about God's promise to send a Messiah. Now, granted, he didn't think that promised Messiah would come through the womb of his fiance, but he believed that. And he also, besides loving God, he loved his betrothed. He loved Mary. And so he... he he lived with this embarrassing tension. What, what do you do? As a righteous man, I, I can't go through with this marriage. <laughs> what will this community think? What will my life be like? As someone who loves Mary, as someone who's not just God-fearing, but also I, I want to be merciful to her. I, I can't do this. Joseph's living with this, this overwhelming sense of embarrassment. And yet, there's something deeper going on here. It's no mistake that Scripture places this story. <laughs> scripture starts out with this story of how the birth of the Messiah came about right on the heels of a genealogy or a list of Jesus' family members down through the ages. It starts out with King David and before that, even into Old Testament patriarchs, and it comes down and down and down. And guess who is the very last name in that list? Of course, it's Mary, the mother of Jesus. But it lists out that Jacob was the father of Joseph. And this Joseph, who was from the house and line of David, was the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. You see, what is happening here is Joseph was called to live for Jesus. Joseph was called to specifically be the stepfather of Jesus, not the, not the biological father, but the legal father of Jesus, according to scripture, according to this genealogy, according to how we know his life would play out in the rest of scripture. But because of the embarrassment that Joseph experienced, he didn't want to live with Jesus or live for Jesus. We should probably cut Joseph some slack though, right? I mean, he didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know that that's what he was being called to do. That's what, that's what God 
was asking him to do. In fact, God actually, even you know how the rest of this goes, needed to send him an angel to explicitly tell him, Joseph, this is what you're asked to do. So what's your excuse? What's our excuse? Because as clear as a messenger of God, an angel himself has come, he's, he's called you. He has called you to live with Jesus. He's called you to live for Jesus. Are you embarrassed? Let's start with fathers. Fathers, you're not called to be the stepfather to Messiah, but you are unquestionably called to raise your children so that they know the love, the kindness, the patience, and the goodness of the one who is their father in heaven. Are you embarrassed to even talk about Jesus to your own kids? Husbands, you are called specifically to be self-sacrificing in your love to your wives like Christ. And wives, you are called to be selfless like Christ was before the Father in your love to your husbands. Are you embarrassed? Are you embarrassed to live with Jesus, to live like Jesus, to live for Jesus even before your own spouse. Some of you, some of you, to a certain extent, all of us, we're we're called to different places and, and different, it's called vocations in our lives. Are you embarrassed to let the light of Christ shine out from you where you work? Some of you are called to live in places in life where your purity And goodness is to point to Christ. Or is it easier to just not? Because you're embarrassed. All of us are called to be neighbors, to look at every human being as a sister, as a brother in Christ who has been bought by Christ with his blood. All of us have been called to go and, get this, speak words about Christ's love to our neighbors? Or do you not? Because you're embarrassed. You're embarrassed to have Jesus with you. Embarrassed to, to live for Jesus in the specific calling that he's given you. You know, people, uh, for as universal as embarrassment is, there's like a lot of study and not a lot of consensus around what causes embarrassment. Do you know there's like two primary theories working about what causes embarrassment? The first is that people feel embarrassment because they have a image that they want to project socially. And when that gets hindered in any way or threatened in any way, well, people say face. They they feel embarrassment because how they want to look to everybody else in public and social circumstances is not it. And so people feel embarrassment. Do you feel embarrassment because that? You, you want to look a certain way and, well, Jesus is calling you to be a certain way and that's it. Here's the other theory. The other theory is that people don't so much really care about what other people think. 
people experience embarrassment because we all have a mental picture of how every social interaction or human interaction should go. And when it doesn't go that way, we don't know what to do. Here's the thing. We know what to do, though, as Christians. Christ has called us very clearly in his word to be husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and friends and neighbors. There shouldn't be a question about about what to do. Are you embarrassed to live for Jesus, to live with Jesus? What we're specifically talking about with this idea of embarrassment, and let's call it what it is, it's, it's sin. It's sin against not just God, but it's, it's sin against our neighbor. It's sins of omission. It's sins of things that we omit to do, fail to do. This sermon is not even about sins of commission, things we do. But you think about how embarrassing that would be, even more so perhaps if everyone knew what sins you do that no one knows. But it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if it's sins of omission or commission because it's not just embarrassment before others. It's embarrassment when we step back and think of what it is. It's sin. And that brings on embarrassment before God. Later on in this gospel in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus would actually go on to say, whoever acknowledges me before men, I'll acknowledge him before my father. Whoever doesn't acknowledge me, Whoever's embarrassed, I won't. It should keep you up at night. Did Joseph, you picture Joseph wrestling with this reality that was before him. My fiance is pregnant and I'm not the father. He tossed and turned and, and finally he thought, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna divorce her quietly. I'm gonna save her the embarrassment. And it's just, as soon as Joseph resolved to do that, to just kind of sit in his embarrassment, you know what God did? Wake up. Wake up. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He's afraid. He's afraid to interact in the world with people because he's embarrassed. And what does Jesus come and say? Well, he sends the angel of the Lord to say, don't be afraid. This is true. This is good. What Mary has is from the Holy Spirit. See, even before we could accept the callings, the vocations that Jesus has given us, not based on how good we actually lived out our callings and our vocations before God, it didn't even matter. Jesus came anyways, and he woke us up from our slumber, and he said, wake up, look here, I'm coming to be with you. I'm coming to empower you in your callings and in your vocations. And you see that so beautifully through the two names for the Messiah, that the angel speaks to Joseph. The first is this. He said, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You know how uh, people who study embarrassment and behavior say you should deal with embarrassment? You should attack it straight on, confront it, 
own it. If you trip on the cement in front of your friends, don't pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> just laughed with it. If you have something stuck in your teeth, and I guess I'm telling you guys this, if I ever do, just tell me so I don't go a whole church service. Straight on. Here's the thing with our spiritual embarrassment, though. We can't attack it. We can't own it. Because even our admitting that we failed to do the good things that God has called us to do, it doesn't make it right. And so we needed someone to come and attack it straight on for us, to own it. And that's what Jesus did. His name is Jesus. It means God saves. His name is Jesus because it'll save us from what? It'll save us from our embarrassment. It'll save us from our sins before God and before others. You think about this. Embarrassment is kind of this self-consciousness of shamefulness. It's this self-awareness that you did something silly in front of others. The opposite of that is Christ-awareness of forgiveness. What's the antidote to embarrassment? What's the antidote to sin? It's not looking at yourself and, and seeing how well you did or did not fulfill your vocations in all the different areas of your life. You want to know what the antidote to the embarrassment and that overwhelming sense of well, disappointment that we have as we, as we look at our track record? It's to stop looking at yourself and to stop looking at your track record and seeing how good or not good, you did or did not fulfill your vocations, and instead look and be aware of Christ, who came to save you from your sins and give you all of the gifts that come with that. The peace of standing before the Father, the joy of knowing that he doesn't judge you based on your merits, he judges you based on Christ. I said it before that one of the leading theories around embarrassment, it's the idea to save face, right? that you don't want to be embarrassed and look different, your social image before others. Well, Christ has come, and what his forgiveness does, it renews your image. It renews your image in his. He came, well, to save face for you so that you could see the Father's face. And you want to know how he did it? He took on a face. He took on flesh and came for us to be one with us so we could be one with the Father. You know what helped uh, me not feel really that embarrassed about uh, the clapping for Jesus? <laughs> I've mentioned him maybe in sermons before, but one of my best friends in school, his name is Josh. And Josh was sitting like two feet down, maybe two people down in chapel that day. And I remember this day perfectly. I can tell you where I was sitting, the angle at my mom. And here's what Josh did next. Josh didn't just like clap a lot. He stood up and clapped and he said, that's your mom. And then he could tell that like everybody obviously knew that was my mom and how embarrassed I was. But Josh came over by me and like patted me on the back and laughed with me, right? It's the idea that, well, I wasn't alone. A little side fact, Joshua, Yeshua, means God saves. My friend Josh saved me from my embarrassment. But your Jesus saves you from your embarrassment, and he does it how? He does it most of all by being with you. Think about that. Think about that name. The virgin will conceive, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Could there be 
more sweet a name than that. God with us. God, the God of all creation, who made the angels, who made Jesus get conceived in a virgin and be born to take away your sins, the God who created you and redeemed you, that God is with. He's with you, wherever you go, whatever you do. He's promised that. Surely I will be with you always to the very end. I came to be with you. I came to be with you in the muck and the mud of your sin. I'm still with you even when life gets messy. And I will be with you always because I have given myself for you to be with me forever. It's God with us. It's a you're not alone idea that's built into the name. He's not just like with those people or with that guy or that girl. It's God with all of us, bringing us together, whether, well, you feel embarrassed or not, whether you feel singled out or not, it's God with us, bringing his people together. That is Emmanuel. It's God with us. And right now, I just want you to stop and apply God with us to your vocations. Think about that. Fathers, mothers, you're not alone. You're going about this parenting thing with the Heavenly Father, the Heavenly Father with you. Husbands, wives, you're not alone. It's Emmanuel. It's the Heavenly Bridegroom with you. Leaders, in whatever area of life you lead, in your family, in your place of work or community. It's God with you. It's Emmanuel, the greatest servant leader, with you, always. Neighbors, friends, God is with you. In any relationship that you have, this is the one who came and made his dwelling among us with you. He's your neighbor. He's your friend. And he's with you always. Here's the greatest thing about this idea of our callings, about this idea of our vocations. It only, it only really makes sense when we know God is with us. It's really actually only possible to go out in your vocations and do the very specific things that God has called you uniquely and individually to do when you know that it's really not about how you appear, your social image or how you project or your track record, what you do. Because here's the really great and wonderful news. All of that has been Jesus. It's been forgiven. God saved you from your sins. And so what's left for you to do in life? If you know that you can never be embarrassed before your heavenly father, because he's looking at you and, well, Jesus has saved face and now the face of God shines on you and doesn't laugh at you, but delights in you. What's left? Just go. God's with you. He's he Jesus to you and now he's Emmanueling you all the time. He's with you always. The Bible really doesn't tell us a lot about Joseph. And that's why this is really cool text because this is it. After this, Joseph woke up. He did it. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. 
Joseph was embarrassed. And you think about the fact that he really <laughs> made sense why. <laughs> Crazy situation. Embarrassing situation. You see what happened when <laughs> God not only came to him, forgave him, removed the shame and, and all that goes with embarrassment, and freed him just freed him to go about and do the very thing that God had asked him to do. Be a dad. Be a husband. To Jesus. To Mary. And he did it. Martin Luther has this really cool quote about the doctrine of vocation or about the teaching that we are calling your callings in life, the very specific ones that you have. He says, God doesn't need your good works your neighbor does. God doesn't need your good works because think about this. He already loves you. He's already with you. You're not going to win any prizes of getting him closer to you. God loves you and he doesn't need your good works. He came to you when you're still in your sins. Your neighbor does need your good works. And that is what we get to do. We get to go with Emmanuel and get to bring all of the hope, all of the joy, and all of the peace that forgiveness of sins brings in our relationships with others. Think about that. You really get to give away something that we don't have, but something we have in abundance. And that is the gift of God. I love this last sentence. And he, as Joseph, Gave him the name Jesus. Really? I mean, the prophet Isaiah was told that a long time ago. <laughs> it was relayed by the angel of the Lord to Joseph. And look at how scripture records it, though. Joseph did it. He really, he gave to God something that God had already given to him. And that's our callings. That's our vocations. We get to give to our neighbors. We get to give to God something that he has already given to us. It is release from the captivity of embarrassment from sin. It is the joy of living with Emmanuel. God with you. Amen. 